Okay. Today, my guest is Professor Jan Selmer. I'll keep my introduction short to maximize our time with him. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about Jan as a person. Professor Selmer is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally, as a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I'll skip many of his accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Professor Selmer is an emeritus professor at Aarhus School of Business in Denmark. His research is on cross-cultural management in China, expatriate management, intercultural training, and Swedish management. He is the founding editor of Journal of Global Mobility and the author of the book, The Research Handbook of Expatriates. He has served the field as an editorial board member of five international journals. He has uh, published extensively in all our uh, top uh, field journals. He received the Best Paper Award from the International Management Division at AOM, as well as various awards, such as the President's Award for Outstanding Scholarship Performance from Hong Kong Baptist University. Thank you, Jan, for joining us. Thank yeah? you very much. Thank okay. you for having me. Perfect. So uh, I thought we lost the uh, voice uh, the connection for a second. Uh, Jan, uh, what did you want to become when you were a child? Well, um, I was very interested in uh, airplanes and flying. Uh, I built uh, model airplanes and so on and so forth, both flying and not flying. And uh, uh, I wanted actually to be a, a fighter pilot. But then uh, I ended up with glasses. So that was out of the question. They need 100% airsight for fighter pilots. So it took me all the way to the 1990s when uh, computer simulation became uh, a little bit more advanced. And then I became a fighter pilot. Oh, and, you completed uh, the series. You completed the sequence on that one. No, you, you have simulations. So okay. uh, I ended up in the Second World War where you can still see your adversary. Uh, and uh, I used that for relaxation for several years. Now I haven't done it in, in a long time, but uh, it, it's also good for uh, training up your reactions because you need to react very quickly as a fighter pilot. I can tell you that. I see. So uh, Jan, where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Sweden. And um, uh, this is a very small country. So um, it came natural to me to be interested in the rest of the world, uh, which I was from early ages. Uh, I was a voracious uh, reader uh, as a kid and had a lot of books um, books uh, uh, translated from English about Beagles and all of the other heroes uh, for, for kids, uh, at least for male kids. <laughs> and uh, uh, I was, I, 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 had, I, I, uh, I had a lot of, lot of books. So I was uh, already in the reading mode. Um, 
when when I uh, uh, grew up. And Jan, uh, how did you choose academia? Well, um, I uh, uh, was uh, doing another thing that uh, most people don't know about me. Uh, I was working as a professional musician in a dance band. Uh, and uh, uh, then uh, the last band I was member of just closed down. And so I was looking for another uh, way of supporting myself because I was uh, at the same time uh, doing my uh, BA studies and also taking uh, an, an, uh, a master in political science. Uh, so I needed some money. And uh, this was quite hard work, actually, uh, because uh, we used to play uh, at night, of course, uh, and uh, sometimes involving long travel. We used to play uh, not every day of the week, but at least four times uh, the weekend and Wednesdays. And uh, when the other guys could go home and rest, I had to go to university or study. <laughs> so sometimes you travel all night coming back from a gig and then uh, you just have to get on with your real thing. <laughs> yeah, well, what did you play? Tenor, was tenor sax. Oh yeah. Okay. Pardon? Tenor saxophone. Perfect. And uh, uh, I, I, I was early into jazz in the 1950s. Uh, and uh, when other other uh, youngsters were uh, looking at Elvis Presley, my um, my my favorite were <coughs> completely different, and I didn't think much of Elvis Presley at the time. And uh, so you decided to get into academia, and how did you choose international business? And within international business, you are doing uh, a lot of HR, international HR uh, work on expatriate, uh, work on expatriates, cross-cultural management. How did you choose this area? Yeah, that's a long story. So I'll, I'll take a bit quick about it. Um, um, as opposed to many other, not all, I, I, I looked at some other of your interviews and not many other people's uh, start right away into this area. I didn't. My uh, uh, PhD dissertation was about mathematical programming with an organizational twist, but we'd rather not go into that. Uh, and then came the oil crisis or energy crisis, whatever you call it, of the 70s. And um, it was dominated by engineers. And I thought, uh, well, um, I don't think it's a complete uh, uh, engineering business because all of these things have to be managed in organizations. And I was more was interested in energy conservation in buildings because those consumed the most energy and oil. And those, those were the ones where uh, uh, conservation was most needed. Uh, so I, I did that for, for a long while. And then um, 
I was leading a group of students for a study trip to Southeast Asia. I was asked to by the students to do this. And together with a colleague, we went to Thailand, we went to Malaysia and to Indonesia, visiting Swedish companies. And that was a real eye-opener for me. And then I realized that this is what I'm interested in. This is also important because those companies had huge problems. Uh, and uh, we were very interested in also finding out what kind of problems I had with uh, trying to manage uh, business operations in a completely different cultural environment than Sweden. So let me ask you something. If, uh, let's assume that your band, the musical, the dance band um, is dissolved and you uh, decided uh, you decided not to go and pursue a PhD. Now, what would you do? What's the second best alternative career path? Looking back now, uh, what would you have done which would uh, be a better alternative or second best alternative at that moment? Probably I, I would have gone into political science hmm. uh, because that was um, I was very interested in political science and I, I, I took actually some advanced studies there too. And, uh, but then I realized uh, from getting know, knowing the academics in that circle that uh, I also needed a job. I needed to support myself. And there was uh, not much of a career. Uh, so I realized that when I got an opportunity to join uh, the business school, I did I, instead of that. Uh, and then it went from there. Although we, uh, through uh, mathematical pro programming and energy conservation, I finally ended up uh, uh, in my uh, current phase of my academic career, which is uh, global mobility and expatriation. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, what is something that is not on your CV that people might find interesting about you? Well, uh, I'm already uh, sitting among uh, uh, the fruits of one of my hobbies, which I started a long time ago. Uh, I even continued when I was living abroad. And um, uh, another thing that people don't know about me is that I'm a beekeeper, <laughs> hobby beekeeper. <laughs> My father was a hobby beekeeper, so I was brought up with bees. And um, when I got uh, a house of my own uh, <clears throat> and could support myself and uh, pay the mortgages, I started beekeeping. Uh, because uh, I, I thought it's, it was very, very, very uh, interesting. And I still find it very interesting because when I came back from uh, living abroad for more than 20 years, then uh, I started doing it again. So now I still have two colonies uh, uh, in my backyard. 
Ah, that's interesting. So first is uh, orchids, right? Uh, you mentioned orchids. Uh, yeah, but first, first, uh, uh, professional musician. So first, I, I would say. Second, yeah. uh, uh, tropical orchids. Yes. Second one, beekeeping, right? Yes, yes. Uh, how does the bee? I don't know anything about the beekeeping. So, uh, isn't it no. too cold? Isn't it too cold to keep them on site? Like, are they in a closed area? Like, how does it work? Yeah, they live in hives and um, uh, they overwinter. And in Sweden, they overwinter uh, uh, quite well, actually. Uh, that's why uh, they collect honey to overwinter because they eat that honey to keep warm during the winter. They live, live in, in big, this is one of the few uh, insect societies that uh, uh, overwinter uh, uh, as as a, a big group of, of <coughs> insects, like uh, ants also do, uh, but uh, wasps and bumblebees, for example, they are only the female that uh, overwinter. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's actually quite interesting. Uh, what is one thing you wish you would have done differently? Uh, regret, the question about regret. Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about this question, but uh, I can't come up with any good answer. Um, I, I, I've always uh, been lucky enough to uh, be more or less served uh, a lot of opportunities. And I, I, I've selected among those, and I think I've been able to, to select reasonably well. Uh, among those things. So uh, I have few regrets, actually. Um, I, I, I didn't even, um, I didn't even uh, make the, the, the classical expatriate uh, mistake of selling your house when you go abroad, because when you come back, the prices are quite different because uh, <clears throat> of urbanization, if it's in, in the neighborhood of any any capital area, capital city, like like my house, then I wouldn't have been able to to buy it back. Uh, so I kept it, and I'm still living in the same house. I I, I were in before I left. Wow, uh, that's interesting. Uh, what are you most uh, proud of? My most. What are you most I, proud of? Oh, proud of. Uh, oh, that must be something that happened relatively recently because I've had a long academic career. Uh, and that's uh, starting my journal, Journal of Global Mobility, because um, there is no such other journal uh, and still isn't. We started it 10 years ago. And so we, uh, we will be celebrating our uh, 10th anniversary uh, this year, and um, it 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 really serves a purpose uh, because uh, we are all uh, it it it's a bit of a niche niche journal, but uh, still uh, that's also uh, the strength of the journal because we all uh, experts in 
inside this area, global mobility. So we can handle uh, submissions in a, in, in, in a very skilled way. Uh, so and I, 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 I think over the years, uh, we, have, we have made a difference. And uh, we, we, we hope to <laughs> improve much, much on that in, in, the, in, in the future. So this is probably the, the, the best thing I've, I've, I've done in my career to start this journal. It was much more trouble than I thought, much more work than I thought. Uh, but um, now we have uh, learned a lot how to do it and it's getting easier and easier. Thank you. Uh, Jan, how do you explain your research and the importance of your research to uh, non-academics, people who don't know or who don't read uh, academic journals? Yeah, um, that's, that's not too difficult because uh, it's easier for people to, to realize, especially in a, in a small country like, like Sweden, uh, that um, Outside Sweden, things are different. Not everything is like Sweden. <laughs> and uh, uh, going abroad, running a business, making money has to be done in a different way. Most people realize that. So it's, it's quite easy to, to tell them that I'm, I'm trying to, to help companies and help uh, to take, to discover more uh, knowledge about how to do this. Uh, and uh, it's, um, I, most people understand that. Uh, it's, not, it's not too difficult to explain what I do. And okay. since I, I, I keep to my, to my area and don't, try to do too many things outside. I, I try to focus on this. This is, this is uh, the absolute main thing of what I do. So that's a good explanation, I think. Thank you. Jan, uh, about the things that we have omitted or neglected, uh, things that we have uh, or we should have done more of in IB research, what do you think about things that we should cover more of? My research. <laughs> My research is uh, almost all of it is on the individual level. And um, sometimes uh, I, I, I get a little bit uh, annoyed uh, of, of the way that IB has uh, developed. It's so much uh, institutionalized, it's so much uh, talking about uh, um, bigger uh, entities like companies, like uh, regions and all, all sorts of things. Uh, when uh, it's impossible to understand anything if you don't know how people who make the decisions uh, behave and think. Uh, so companies don't make decisions, people do. And we, to, be able to understand how companies 
behave and react and plan and all that. Uh, you need to behave, you need to understand how people uh, do these things because people are the uh, pe people are the ones making the decisions. I understand that you need to summarize the whole thing and look at uh, macro perspectives of, of different kinds, but it I think it's too little of individual based research in IB. Okay. So uh, I'm curious about the progress of the field, especially now that we've gone through uh, two, two and a half years of COVID, um, the, the pandemic. Uh, and there has always been a decline in expatriation and companies try to do uh, many things remotely or in short bursts. Uh, they didn't really do a two year, five year, um, relocation of people and they, they basically did, wanted to do shorter bursts, two weeks, three weeks. Especially, for example, uh, big multinationals like Coke, Coca-Cola or Pepsi uh, when they were uh, doing it. What is the, in your opinion, that is uh, specific about global mobility? Uh, what is going to be the next phase in the next five to 10 years uh, what are we going to see? What's the big trend? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that you asked this question because this is one of my new interests. This is uh, something that uh, me and uh, uh, a number of colleagues have been thinking about. And we also published uh, a, a perspective paper on this, what we call virtual global mobility. So some kind of some part of what was before physical uh, global mobility will be replaced in the future, and uh, everybody is complaining about uh, all the negative effects of the pandemic, but it has also had some positive effects. Now, uh, what you and I are doing now was completely incomprehensible as impossible. 10 years ago. Uh, and uh, to have contact uh, electronically uh, over, over uh, the year, over, over long distances is uh, no big deal anymore. And uh, of course, just uh, having electronic contact, but um, this is could be more efficient and from an organizational point of view uh, there could be no no other choice so uh, it could be both cost efficient and um, necessary uh, so uh, i'm interested in the the the, the quickly developing uh, uh, Technologies, uh, the, the the technologies of of uh, communication like this, and uh, I think that some some of what was before um, done by traveling, by short term assignments, might uh, be much less in the future. Uh, not only because uh, we could get a new pandemic, but because companies think that this is more efficient to do it this way. Uh, 
uh, and uh, there will be more and more um, development here. Uh, one, one thing that struck me is, uh, I, I'm not sure if you are familiar with the band ABBA from Sweden. Uh, most people are. <laughs> of course. And, and they are uh, reuniting again. And uh, they are giving a concert in June in London uh, as avatars. And uh, <laughs> they are planning to sit in the audience themselves, watching themselves as avatars. And the avatars, I already know how they look. They look like they did uh, 40 years ago when they closed down shop. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, something that um, is irresistible, I think, uh, and also efficient because the technology is going so fast and um, many companies will try to find out how they both can save money and do things that they could not do before. I mean, there is something to be said about this virtual reality, virtual worlds, virtual uh, marketplaces. And for the past, I can't remember exactly when it started, but maybe about 10 years ago, there was a, a virtual marketplace created and companies actually used the marketplace uh, multinationals used the marketplace for training purposes across their subsidiaries uh, many companies used it but it didn't really pick up and recently with uh, uh, the metaverse they, they are now trying to revive it again that the concept is being revived again but uh, as far as avatars and paying real money to watch our avatars uh, <laughs> I'm not really so sure on that one. But uh, about the uh, impact of national nationalism, populism, uh, that is uh, gaining a lot of prominence in the world. Uh, how is that going to impact the global mobility or expatriates or companies, uh, expatriates, employees overseas uh, or in the next say, uh, decade, the impact of nationalism or populist yeah. policies yeah. and ideologies. Yeah, I got it. Um, I think um, many, many, many uh, companies and uh, political institutions in uh, developing Western countries will realize that uh, with, we are in the same boat. At the end, we cannot survive or uh, prosper without uh, uh, trade. Uh, and uh, the things that uh, we see today is, uh, I think, um, something that uh, is used uh, by politicians, but uh, it's not really uh, a viable way forward because uh, we, we are what we are. And uh, without the help of somebody else, you cannot do much these days. 
it's okay. impossible. So uh, uh, they, they will find out the hard way that uh, one thing is saying that uh, we are better than you are and we don't need you, but they will find out that they do. Sure. Uh, Jan, about the uh, advice and the mentoring portion, uh, what do you see over your career? What did you see? What do you observe as the common mistakes that young scholars, uh, junior faculty, PhD students usually make? Uh, what, in your opinion, what are the things that people should not be doing, uh, the wrong things to do? I can only I can refer to myself and, and of course from what I've seen in others uh, a lot of a lot of young people young scholars today they they want to publish or let me say they also need to publish and they are in a hurry and they just want somebody to work with to get the publication out. And uh, I think that's a mistake. I think they should uh, focus on an area, not just jump from here to there and uh, having uh, the, 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 the need or the urge to publish as the first priority. They should stick with what they know and stick to one or maybe two areas. Um, I've done it uh, jumping out a little bit, uh, um, uh, not a little bit, uh, from mathematical programming to energy conservation to, to uh, expatriation. So that's quite a big jump, but I didn't do it at the same time. I did, do, I did do it sequentially, and now I've been doing uh, the last phase of my career for the last 30 years. So, um, and, and that way uh, I've become quite uh, familiar with, with an area. And uh, it's also uh, easier to follow what happened and uh, what might happen in the future. Uh, so uh, you should focus on your on one area. Uh, another thing that I've been doing, uh, and uh, it's not uh, for everybody, I realize that. Uh, I've been an um, <clears throat> expatriate academic myself uh, for more than two decades. Uh, living abroad uh, as an expatriate, self-initiated expatriate, of course, most academics are. Uh, and um, most of the time in Hong Kong, in first in Singapore and then 15 years in Hong Kong. And I always uh, that way uh, had it rather easy to evaluate both research ideas and research output. Is this anything useful? Yes, it makes sense to me. Uh, then it might make sense to other expatriates. Uh, so this is the first acid test of the usefulness of, of practicality of, of, of the research. And uh, coming from that, I, I always try 
to dig where I stand. That's what I call it. Dig where you stand. Uh, go to yourself, go to your own experience. Uh, is there something here uh, in what you experienced today or experienced before? Or talk to other expats or other people, local people, uh, that uh, is something that uh, can be uh, made into a research problem. And so many things of what I've done have come that way. Uh, not 100%, of course, but uh, this is uh, uh, still, to this day, uh, uh, has helped me a lot. And uh, the anecdote I told you about ABBA uh, also helped me to convince myself that uh, the future is uh, at least partly much more virtual than it was before. Thank you. Which skills were more uh, or most difficult to develop for you? And which skills are more important in the fields uh, for a successful career? Well, um, I tend to think that um, research is uh, a cooperation business. And if you cannot cooperate with people, then do something else. Uh, very few have succeeded in academics on their own. Of course, we have such names, but uh, like Einstein and others. Uh, uh, and, but uh, most of us are not Einstein and we need help from others. A complementary or, or uh, maybe even enhancing of uh, what you are good at yourself, but we need uh, help. So I've always tried to, to work with people. Um, although I've done a few things on my own, uh, but uh, my, uh, most of what I've done is uh, together with others. And... Um, it, yeah, uh, and I, 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 I've, I've tried to both find somebody that I can work easily with, that have the same motivation. Actually, uh, I retired formally almost 15 years ago. I'm still going at it. I cannot stop. That's my personality. That's how I am. I still do research. Uh, and I, 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 I uh, run my, uh, with the help of others, run my journal. And um, this, is, this is natural to me. Uh, so I need somebody that's self-motivated and uh, is reliable to work with. And when I find that person, uh, then uh, we can do a lot of work together. Some of, some of my co-authors, uh, you see in many of my publications. So that means that uh, we both have found something uh, that has uh, uh, helped us both. Thank you. Jan, for the sake of time, uh, last question. What's the question that I should have asked you but haven't? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a very that's a very good good question also. But uh, I I have to refer to uh, what you didn't know because uh, it wasn't in my CV. Uh, my orchids, my bees, and uh, my professional uh, musician career. Uh, so uh, all of these things. Uh, are, are, it seems like uh, it's uh, a good occupation for retirees, but I started all of this long before I retired, long even before my career when it comes to, to the musical things. Uh, so uh, it's just a way of realize that uh, work is not all your life. There are other things there too. And uh, they could be completely different than uh, just work, work, work. So I try to combine it. And I think I've been quite successful in doing that. Uh, don't just work yourself to death because nobody will ask you and you only have one life. You need to have a real life full of other things also. That's that's my answer for the question you didn't set, you didn't ask me. <laughs> Beautiful, thank you. Uh, it was interesting. It was very interesting for me. I learned a lot. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm sure the audience will agree with me. Thank you, Jan. Thank you, thank you for having me and inviting me. I really enjoyed it too. Thank, thank you. you. Bye bye. <laughs>